Welcome in, everybody, to Sports Daily. Jacob Albrock, Tom McCaster with you on a Thursday. Excited to be here on this Thursday. We'll welcome in our friend Chelsea Messenger a little later in this hour to talk about some of the weekend's best bets. Uh, we'll get our K-State insider, Tim Fitzgerald, coming up at the top of the second hour. First time to chance to uh, chance to talk to Fitz since we've known about the Sugar Bowl. And uh, we'll talk some K-State hoops as well. That's coming up. That's what's on tap here on this Thursday edition of the program. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster with you today. Jad Chambers producing for us. 869-1240. A couple of different giveaways to get through to uh, throughout the program as well today. Tommy, welcome in. Good morning. Happy Thursday. Hey, good to see you. Of course, we've got a lot to get to like we always do every single day on the program. Going to look ahead to Thursday night football a little bit later on in the show also. There's a lot to get to today. Looking forward to getting into it. Yeah, it's a forgettable Thursday night football matchup, but we'll go through it. Uh, it's two teams that have certainly not hit their expectations this year. Uh, we'll take you through some of the headlines here in our first segment. Brittany Griner is released from Russian custody, a prisoner swap. Uh, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this. Um, just getting the news this morning as I woke up, released from the Russian prison on Thursday, coming home one-for-one one prisoner swap for a convicted arms dealer once called the Merchant of Death, Victor Bout. Um, the exchange took place in the United Arab Emirates. Uh, President Biden gave approval of the swap, fo swap following negotiations, this according to CBS News. Um, the White House confirmed it. Uh, Griner's headed home, Tommy, in what's been a really interesting and tough international story in the middle of everything going on in the world right now. Brittany Griner is released, and it appears to come at a very heavy cost for the U.S. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm, you know, some kind of geopolitical expert. Right. Um, right. You know, ha having a, a conversation about foreign relations, you know, and, and U.S.-Russia relations, you know, is not something that uh, I, I have any sort of authority on whatsoever. Um, but when you strip this down, you know, away from the world of politics, when you strip it away, even from the world of sports and Brittany Griner being a WNBA star, and we know what she's been able to do on the basketball court, um, you know, for a long time, you strip all of that away at its very core, at its very human level, you've got a person coming home to be with their family. Um, so, you know, you strip everything else away from it. Um, that ultimately at its core is what this is. And so, you know, I feel like I can comment on that. And that's, that's great right before the holidays to have, um, a person being able to go home to her family. Um, really from there, I feel like one thing that we as a culture and we as a society are lacking in is a little bit of that, you know, grace and understanding and being able to strip everything else away from it, take the politics out of it, you know, take all of it, all the outside noise away and just be able to say at a human level, you know, this is a positive thing for this family. It is. Uh, somebody, you know, made a mistake and was, you know, incorrectly by our standards in this country punished for it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm glad somebody's not going to have to suffer that way. I, I'm with you. I'm not going to get into the geopolitical terms of it, although you'll likely hear a whole lot of that over the next little while. Um, it's a story everybody attached to because it's attached to the major um, unfortunate story happening in the world right now. So, 
Yeah, Brittany Griner's coming home, though. And, you know, one of our great uh, women athletes of the last generation is headed home. I assume she'll continue to play. I hope so. Um, and this is a story that will continue to unfold. So that happened. Uh, this is not the platform to get into a lot of the underlying things, so we won't do that here today. But that is the news of the morning, certainly. Uh, some other news across the sports world, Tommy. The Padres have been swinging and missing at just about every big free agent uh, that they can so far, and they finally get a guy, get their guy. I don't know if it was their first choice, but they get Xander Bogarts. Good player. Uh, opted out of about $20 million a year down the stretch. And now we'll take an 11-year deal worth $280 million. So a little more than $20 million over 11 years, though. Um, he turned 30 in October, Tommy. 30. This seems like a way too long deal for a 30-year-old shortstop who's going to rely on that athleticism. I mean, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. But an 11-year contract for a 30-year-old shortstop? That seems yeah. a bit that seems a bit rich for me. This contract doesn't make a ton of sense, uh and I don't think the fit makes a lot of sense either with the Padres. They already have Fernando Tatis Jr. Um now of course Tatis didn't play for a good portion of last season, but they already have Tatis at shortstop. So they're going to have to move and some Machado players around. Third. They got Machado at third. Uh, they're going to have to move some players around. And, you know, speculation is that potentially Tatis would move to the outfield, which who know? I don't know. Uh, it looks like kind of the expectation is that how song Kim who played shortstop when Tatis was gone would move to second base. Jake Cronenworth who played second base will move to first. Juan Soto will play left field. Tatis will play right field. Um, this seems like a lot of moving parts to accommodate Xander Bogarts coming in. And I'm not saying that Xander Bogarts is not a quality baseball player. He's you know, he's a four-time all-star. He's a great he's baseball really player. Um, you know, so I, I don't question that whatsoever, but it sure seems like a lot of moving parts to accommodate Xander Bogarts coming in. And then you reference the contract, 11 years, and he's 30 years old. Uh, it's going to take him through his age 41 season. There's not a chance in hell that he produces at, you know, in his age 39, 40, 41 years to make this contract worth it. We had the same conversation with Aaron Judge yesterday. This is the trend that we're seeing in Major League Baseball contracts where they're going a long time, and you have a hard time believing that these players are going to be producing at a high level or a high enough level to justify this contract when they get quite a bit older. It's um, it, it's. I love that the Padres are being so aggressive. They lost their football team. They're being ultra aggressive. They get Soto. They do all these things. I'm not sure I'm convinced this is going to work. Now, if because remember, they were going after Trey Turner, too. And so there's got to be something there. There has to be a plan to move somebody or because it, we're, we're, they're telling us now that it wasn't just a Trey Turner thing. They were looking for a shortstop, right? Because if they didn't get Turner, now they go to Bogarts. There is something being planned. Maybe it's Machado goes to the outfield. I doubt it because he's pretty good over there on the corner. Um, maybe it's Tatis. I, I don't know. Maybe it's Kim. Maybe it's somebody. I don't know what it is. But they identified a player and they paid him. 25 or so million, whatever this is, a year is not, though, I will say, that 
massive in today's standards on a per year basis. Aaron Judge just signed for forty. Um, so there, there, that's a piece of it too. Is it going to be easier to absorb a $25 million a year contract for a 38-year-old that maybe loses a little bit in his legs but could play DH now? The DH plays a role, I think, in some of these longer contracts. Um, I I think that possibility exists. If this was an 11-year deal for $330 million, $350 million, whatever it is, that'd be one thing. So, you know, it was probably going to cost them, Tommy, the 280 or whatever it is anyway. But over, even if it was, you know, so for them, they get it, they lessen the annual blow. If they wanted to do a seven-year contract, I mean, seven years, 280 would be essentially what Aaron Judge just got. So maybe it'd be a little bit less than that. But there's there's a piece of that to it, too. The Padres are doing something that your Braves do and are doing well of. The Braves, I think, are the leader of the pack right now. But the Padres sort of did it first. Um, and that's take these young stars and give them really long contracts. Um, and try to do it. Now, he's not, Bogarts is not young anymore. But, you know, with Tatis and, and some of these other guys, that's sort of becoming the trend in baseball. And I suspect at some point we'll see something similar with Bobby Witt Jr. in Kansas City, if they can come up with the dollars to do it, is to take these young guys, identify them early in the free, you know, years before they'd hit free agency, and make a play at them. Everyone railed on Ozzy Albies when he signed his deal, and I always think that's silly. Salvador Perez signed one of these a long time ago. If you have nothing guaranteed, right, if you're a player and you have nothing guaranteed, zero, right, you have to play basically year to year through all your arbitration years, and somebody's offering you $15, $20 million a year and buys out three, four years of your free agency— there's nothing wrong with me to me. And everyone makes fun of those players for saying, that. oh, they'll be worth way more than that when they hit free agency. Oh, yeah, what if they blow out their knee? Will they be worth it then? I think it's I think it's a smart strategy for teams to absorb some of that risk and and for it and offer the players an opportunity to make a whole lot of money now, maybe not peak when they'd hit free agency. These longer deals like this are getting popular, and I don't hate them. Um, it ties you two guys for a long time, and there's a lot of risk in it for teams, especially when they're young, unproven players. This isn't a Bogarts is very much a proven player, but the Braves there's have one, done this a lot. We're seeing this happen in baseball. Yeah, there's one big difference though between what the Braves have done and what the Padres are doing. Uh, the Braves are signing their young stars that are homegrown that came up through the farm system and they've played with the team for a couple of years and they've locked them up for a long time. Austin Riley, Ozzy Alves, Michael Harris this year, Ronald Acuna. They're, they're doing that quite a bit. The Padres are going out in free agency, you know, and they're signing more proven guys and bringing guys in from other teams. And this is not the first time that this has happened with the Padres. Of course, we, you know, we remember they signed Manny Machado to a 10 year, $300 million free agent contract. That was before the 2019 season. They gave Tatis a 14-year, $340 million extension. Uh, and then, of course, you know they, they traded for Juan Soto. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them at least attempt to sign him to a long-term extension also. Um, so it's a little bit of a different strategy. The Padres are in a position, and this is where it's different from the Braves also. The Padres are in a position where they're pushing all of their chips to the middle of the table because they have to keep pace with the Dodgers. And with the Dodgers, there is no amount of money that's too much. They're going to go after 
every single star they can possibly try to get their hands on, and they've got the money to try to make it happen. Atlanta, they don't really have that in their division quite as much. The Mets maybe you know spend a decent amount of money, but really the, the Padres, and this is the way it's been for a long time, right? It's been an arms race in the NL West between the Dodgers and the Padres. And the Padres are in a position now where, you know, they look, you know, up the, the road in, in L.A. and they realize the amount of talent that the Dodgers have on that roster. And the Padres are like, look, it does, we've got the money. We're going to go out and we're going to get as many stars as we possibly can because we've got to try to keep pace. And, you know, the Giants here, there's a piece of it, too, that keeps players away from the Giants because we know the Giants want to spend money. They were trying so hard at Aaron Judge, and they're running out of guys to spend all their money on that they want to spend. So there's a piece of it there, too, for the Padres. I, I don't know if this deal's going to work out. I like Xander Bogarts. Uh, the Padres really, 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 really want to win a World Series. I do know that. Uh, and they're trying to strike while the iron's hot, and they are. They're doing a good job. I don't know if you've been to that ballpark, Tommy. It's fantastic. Uh, my wife is from San Diego, so we've been a couple times. But they are. They're trying to be – they're the only show in town, and they're trying to take advantage of it, and they're spending all this money. And I don't know if it's going to work out. It, it's just – it's crazy to me, though, that in baseball – and every time I see this, and like we cover and follow the Royals, and we see all these other things happening. And the disparity in the hand that you're dealt – and what you're allowed to play with in baseball sometimes is it's just laughable. You know, Xander Bogart's just signed a contract singularly that's worth what? F- three, four, five years of payroll for the Royals for the entire major yeah. league. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, and, and we do this and it's OK. And that's what they allow. And, and you'll never see it changed either, because why would the union ever, ever want to see that happen? And of course, why would the owners want to see that happen? It'll never. We won't get a. I don't even know what the path to a salary cap in baseball would be. But it's just it's just wild sometimes. It also makes me wonder. You know, we we knew how great this shortstop free agent class was going to be going into the offseason. and the first domino fell with Trey Turner to the Phillies. Now Xander Bogarts to the Padres. There are still a couple of really high quality shortstops who are out on the market, and it makes me wonder. Like for example, Carlos Correa. How much money is he going to be able to garner on the open market? There's Dansby Swanson, who's my guy in Atlanta. I don't think he's re-signing with Atlanta. I think he's going to try to go get quite a bit of money elsewhere, and he's been linked to some other teams. So there are still some other you know, free agent shortstops that are out there that can garner quite a bit of money. I thought it was interesting. You, ref- you referenced the Royals, and J.J. Piccolo gave an interview yesterday where he talked about how the Royals' strategy is basically to stand pat, and internal development is the key to their success. I don't disagree with that necessarily as long as the staff that they've put together with Matt Quattrero and his coaches are the ones who actually are going to be able to develop that young talent. If, if they are able to and they're able to be competitive with that strategy, I'm 1,000% on board with that. But like we talked about yesterday, you're never going to see the Royals go out there and, and dump a bunch of money on a guy like Xander Bogarts or Carlos Correa or Trey Turner, or, you know, any, and of course they're, they're pretty much set at shortstop. Right. But that's not the point. The point is they're not going to be dropping a lot of money on superstars. No. And, and quite frankly, I don't think that they should because it's not sustainable for them. Like I don't, it, it wouldn't be the right strategy. The right strategy for them is to, uh, is to be good 
at development. And and it's just it's really hard because everybody considered the guys that they were taking in those drafts, and we've talked about this until we're blue in the face, but everyone considered those really good draft picks that had a had a lot of room, um, you know, a high floor. And that didn't work. And I, and I don't what the the greatest question facing the Royals organization right now is is a new regime capable of lifting up those players who we haven't seen hit that even that floor yet in a lot of cases. And I don't know the answer to that. I have no idea. Um, but if they can't, it's going to take a long time to get there. I do think though that there is a chance that because we saw the off we we saw flashes of it on the offensive side right we saw the young players in the lineup Pascatino and Melendez and Bobby Witt Jr of course and you know maybe there's a maybe you know guys can stay healthy and you can get Mondese staying healthy and everything comes together offensively i think that possibility isn't even necessary a long shot i i think it's very much possible um, pitching, I don't know. And I don't know. The The good news for the Royals is the division sucks, generally speaking. Uh, you usually see some of the worst teams in baseball coming out of the AL Central. So that's good news. But I, I don't, I was very optimistic last year, Tommy, and I'm finding myself challenged to find that optimism like I did a year ago. I just can't find it right now because I don't know why we would see something different than what we've seen from so many of these young players. I think the biggest thing that makes me hopeful, I don't even want to say optimistic, but at least hopeful, is maybe a breath of fresh air with a new administration and new leadership can help propel these guys forward. I'm with you. I don't have a lot of concerns offensively for the Royals. They've got young talent that can hit the baseball. Not super concerned about that. It's always, always been about pitching. And yeah, I'm hopeful that this season can be better than the last because of new leadership. And sometimes that's that's all that a team needs is a, a new voice at the leadership position to help take them forward. I hope so because I need good baseball in the summertime. I need it. I need it. Let's go, Royals. Uh, We see these massive contracts going right and left. The Royals are going to get none of those, but what can they do with the scraps left over? That's what we'll find out over the next few months, I suppose. All right, coming up next, we'll talk a little betting. Our betting insider, Chelsea Messenger, joins us as she does every Thursday on the program. We'll look ahead to some of her favorite bets of the weekend, what's on our mind in that world. We'll do that next on Sports Daily. Host of the Daily Tip and Odyssey Sports Betting Insider, Chelsea Messenger. Insider calls are presented by BetMGM. Go check out all of the latest lines today on the BetMGM app. Also, be sure to check out the Daily Tip podcast for more of Chelsea Messenger analysis. Just search BetMGM wherever you find your podcasts. All right, and we welcome in Chelsea Messenger. Sort of a, I don't know about you, Chelsea. It feels like a little bit of a lull in the football season right now. Maybe it's because Thursday night football is pretty hard to get excited about. I feel like we've hit this 
lol, let's let's snap let's snap me out of it if if nobody else and get some some good bets and make some money. How are you today? There's never a lull when it comes to betting. <laughs> That's why you bet on games to make them interesting. Uh, if you can't get interested in a game, you bet on it. That's why I have watched an IUPUI basketball game. Uh, I've watched an IPFW basketball game. Uh, so that's where it's uh, betting can help you out. Well, Chelsea, uh, how right, in the well, world? What do we like tonight? Yeah, sorry, yeah, I was Tommy. Ask, what, do we, what do we like tonight then, Chelsea, in this in this nasty, nasty, yep. awful, ugly Rams Raiders game tonight? Yeah, this is a tough one. It feels like you're doing a puzzle and there's a few pieces missing. And you're like, how am I supposed to do this puzzle? Because we don't even know who's starting at quarterback for the L.A. Rams. Uh, Because Baker Mayfield is one of those guys who uh, they're floating a report saying that he could play tonight, which seems out of this world since it's a short week and he is just got off a plane from Carolina. But here's the thing. He's such a volatile quarterback that I don't really want to play a side in this one. Uh, just because he is kind of a gunslinger. So maybe they just line him up and play some backyard football here, and maybe they can keep it close. Because that's the other thing. You want to trust the Raiders laying six and a half on the road? I don't really want to do that either, because if you look at each of the last three wins that they've had, only one of those has been by seven points, and that was the last game. They won exactly by seven points. So I don't think this is exactly a trustworthy Raiders team either. For me, I'm going to go with somebody who I feel like I can trust. That's going to be Devontae Adams, who's been an absolute target king over the past five games. At least uh, double-digit targets in each of the last five games. He's gone over 120 receiving yards in four of his last five. And his number tonight is pretty high at 89.5. But if there's anybody who can go over this number in the first half, it's like Devontae Adams. We know he is a true number one receiver. Does not matter to me that Jalen Ramsey's on the other side because we've seen other number one receivers actually have good games against uh, supposedly one of the best corners in the league. And we've seen it fantasy points against. The Rams are actually uh, bottom seven. So I think Devontae Adams, at least we can count on him for a big game. I know that some of this Chelsea is dependent on who starts at quarterback for the Rams tonight. Uh, But is there anybody that you would be – you know, interested in maybe taking a flyer on to get into the end zone. We saw Cam Akers get into the end zone a week ago. Anybody offensively for the Rams that you would want to touch at all? God, the Rams? Oh, man, this is a tough spot. Because the thing about Cam Akers is he's pretty untrustworthy, too. The second that you believe in him, he has one of those games where it's like, you know, 3.1 yards per carry. Uh, so maybe it's him. Um, I would imagine that they maybe rely on the run game a little bit more. But Kyron Williams, uh, the rookie for the Rams, has gotten some touches over the course of the season. It looks like it's going to be Cam Akers moving forward. But here's a team that doesn't have anything to play for. And why would they? Uh, I would not be shocked if they go to the rookie um, yet again. Can you guys still hear me? Yes, we got to Chelsea. Sorry, I have Bluetooth in my car, and it just did that weird thing. Uh, but we'd be shocked if they went to the rookie yet again. Uh, so I just think that's not really a market I want to touch. Yeah, it's tough. Right, let, let's let's get out of here with that game because it's it's gonna just <laughs> it's garbage. Like we, we we don't we don't have to spend more time than we need to on it. What what about? Well, real quick, actually, I, I, right as I say that, BetMGM. First touchdown insurance, 25 bucks. They give it back to you if you don't hit it. It's my favorite bet MGM bet there is. 
I, I'm going to just take Devontae Adams. I know he's the odds. But I'm going to ask you about a guy because Josh Jacobs is questionable. I think you can get about plus 1,600 on Zamir White, his backup. Um, what what do you think on first touchdown score with the insurance tonight? Well, here's the thing about Josh Jacobs being questionable. He was questionable last week and went for 144 yards on the ground. So right. uh, just because he's questionable does not mean he's not playing and doesn't mean that he's going to be any less, you know, efficient with his runs because he's had some big games this year. Uh, so I wouldn't take that too much into account. Obviously, you need to pay attention and see if he's actually playing. Um, but I would either go uh, Devontae Adams or Josh Jacobs. I know there's a chalky place, but still, uh, it's tough for me to depend on this Rams team to actually score. I think if you like a scoring play for the Rams, uh, or excuse me, uh, yeah, maybe a, a field goal prop for the Rams. I'm not sure what the number is, but I don't know. I don't think there's going to be many touchdowns for the Rams. Uh, by the way, I love the fact that Jacob said, you know what, let's move away from this game. Yep, right. And then went ahead and asked another question about the game. So I'm actually going to move us away from the Thursday night game. The game that we're, of course, paying close attention to in this neck of the woods. The Chiefs on the road taking on the Broncos. Kansas City laying nine points on the road. Broncos nine-point dogs at home. Of course, we've known how terrible the Broncos' offense has been, Chelsea, all year long. Kansas City coming off a loss to the Bengals. What do you like in this game? Yeah, don't really love it. I think there are more um, too many points games on the board because I think when you have that many points that you're having to lay, you immediately try to make a case for the other side and say, is this a, a scenario in which the Broncos can cover this large spread? Because it is nine. But the thing is, their offense has been so bad. And traditionally, the Broncos have not fared well against the Kansas City Chiefs. What is it, 10 straight wins? For the Chiefs over the Broncos and for the last six have come, come by double digits. So I think the numbers are indicating that it's probably the Chiefs that win and cover in this one. But that's a trend that we follow in sports betting is divisional dogs. Usually that's a pretty solid play, especially when they're getting a ton of points. But it's really hard to trust that Broncos offense. I think elsewhere in the NFL, there's some divisional dogs that could be barking. Uh, looking at Baltimore getting two and a half on the road at Pittsburgh. Looking at uh, we've got the Giants getting seven against the Eagles. I think that's a solid play. And also the Jets getting nine against the Bills. Yeah, the Jets getting nine is interesting. Um, where are you with the Bills right now? They've they've been a little interesting on the markets, um, and I think you know the temperature of them has cooled as far as just are they this dominant juggernaut? But how how has their uh, perception played itself out in the betting markets. Yeah, they're a very middling team against the spread. I believe uh, they're pretty much around the 500 mark when it comes to their against the spread record. And we've seen it over the past uh, few games for the most part. They're winning games, but it's not in dominating fashion. Uh, I think the one that sticks out the most is not barely beating the Lions. And I think that's the case here. I think the Jets can at least keep it close. They have a pretty good run game. And plus, the Bills are without Von Miller. And we talk about defensive players not really moving the spread. They don't. But still, if there's ever one defensive player that can make a huge impact for a defense as a whole, it's Von Miller. The fact that you can't get nearly as much pressure on opposing quarterbacks uh, without uh, Von Miller in the lineup, I think is going to maybe affect them down the road in the postseason because looking at the quarterbacks you have to face at the AFC, uh, that's one piece you really want to have. 
but I think that is a problem down the road for the Bills. And plus, just nine is a lot of points. I think the Jets can at least keep it close. And we've seen that in the market. It opened at nine and a half. It's already gone down to nine. So I do like the Jets there. Well, Chelsea, we've got a game in the early slate on Sunday that is basically a coin flip. The Detroit Lions are laying two points at home against the Vikings. Are the Lions for real? What do you think about them? Of course, we know that the Vikings have won a bunch of games this season. What do you like in this game? Yeah, I think this line is uh, more fading the Vikings than trusting the Lions. And I think people who don't pay attention to metrics will say, oh, why are the Vikings getting points here? I think it's because their metrics are so bad. Uh, We've seen it all season long. They have won all of these coin flip games, and their points differential is like one of the worst points differentials we've seen for a team with that many wins in the NFL. What I'm talking about is uh, points they give up versus points that they're scoring. So I think luck has been a factor for the Vikings. At least that's what the numbers are telling us. And the Vikings quietly have been, or excuse me, the Lions have been quietly pretty solid. I'm not ready to say that they're world beaters, I think that's a game you kind of stay away from. I think the line's probably pretty right in saying that that's a coin flip, so I don't really have any business uh, betting it unless maybe you'd take a look at a total. I do think we see a ton of points, but I also think it's a really high total. I think it's 53. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, Chelsea Messenger, our betting insider. Uh, You can find Chelsea on Twitter um, in a variety of places. We also get this week, I believe, Chelsea, our biggest spread of the year, right? The Cowboys right now at BetMGM, 17-point favorites over the Texans. That's the biggest spread of the year, right? I feel like it's the biggest spread we've seen in quite a while in the NFL. Yeah, we'll see this late in the year. as Some of the bad teams get exponentially worse. And some of the best teams are cruising because this is definitely the biggest spread we've seen all season. I think if it was a team like that could put up a ton of points, maybe, but and I know the Cowboys just put up 54 and they put up a three, 33 spot in the fourth quarter against the Colts. Maybe it's a bad spot, but I don't think this is one where I would want to lay it with the Cowboys. I think maybe the Texans can keep it closer. Davis Mills at least is a little bit better than, who do they have? Kyle Allen uh, in at quarterback. So I think I would lean towards the Texans if I were going to play a side there because I don't want anything to do with 17 points. That's a massive spread. Uh, and these teams are not playing to cover numbers. They're playing to win games this late in the season. Let's talk a little bit about Sunday Night Football, the game that was flexed into this primetime spot. The Dolphins on the road taking on the Chargers. The Dolphins, Chelsea, disappointed a week ago against the 49ers, but they are three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of feeling like fading Miami might be a good play here. What do you think? Man, I don't know, though. I have wanted to love the Chargers all season long. They were my team that I thought was going to surprise people in the AFC West, and they have let me down in a big way. They have just had so many injuries this year that it's it's getting hard to trust them. Three and a half, uh, it seems like a, a touch longer than I would like to lay with uh, the Dolphins, especially when it is a big spread uh, and the Chargers at least have the ability to get first downs. Justin Herbert, of course, a uh, pretty solid quarterback uh, over there. But I don't know. I think I'd still lean towards the Dolphins. I still think that they're the more complete team. I know that box score says that they got absolutely thumped by the Niners, but that was – very much a ball game for most of the time. I think there were a few key plays that kind of turned that uh, on its ear uh, late in the game. So I think I would take the Dolphins here. 
Um, all right, one more I want to ask you about, and then you can give us anything we've missed that you're on this week. But the Bengals are six-point favorites at home against Cleveland. They stay within the touchdown. They may be the team with the biggest rocket strapped to them as far as ascending in their place right now in the power rankings of the NFL. But this is another one of those division, you know, dog things that you talked about. Is that is that too too big there at six points for the Bengals-Browns for you? Yeah, if you can lay aside your moral compass for a second and want to bet on the Browns, I think this is actually a good spot for Cleveland. Uh, Joe Burrow has never beaten the Browns for some reason or another. Maybe he finally beats them here, but they have his number for some reason or another. And plus, we're talking about six points here. Maybe it's a good buy-low spot on this Cleveland offense that, if you remember last game, of course Deshaun Watson's going to have some rust. He hadn't played a game in 700 days. So I would imagine we see some kind of improvement from him, and it's still a pretty solid Cleveland squad that has a good rush attack in Nick Chubb and also a really solid offensive line. So I would take the points with the Browns, a divisional dog that I believe is going to be barking, especially because uh, they're the dog pound. Why wouldn't they be barking? Uh, so I do like the points there. All right, Chelsea, anything that we missed here, um, anything that you're on that we haven't talked about that uh, that people need to pay attention to? Yeah, staying in the AFC North. Do you like the Ravens uh, getting the two and a half? I also think that's a great teaser spot. If you can get the Ravens up to eight and a half, we have seen these matchups between the Steelers and the Ravens all be very close. In fact, uh, I believe each of the last five matchups, or maybe it's four or five, has been decided by five points or fewer, with the underdog winning outright in four of those matchups. Now, granted, it's been the Steelers that have been getting the points and winning those games outright, but Tyler Huntley, I think, is more than a capable backup. I said that last week, and then immediately he threw a bad pick. So maybe I'm off base there, but I think it's a close game, and plus it's a low total game. It's 37, so points are coming at a premium. I would take the Ravens getting the two and a half against the Steelers. Yeah, I like it. I think I think Huntley's he just he's got his experience as much as anything else. All right, Chelsea. Well, the host of the Daily Tip and Odyssey Sports Betting Insider, Chelsea Messenger. You can find her on social media. Insider calls presented by BetMGM. Check out all the latest lines on the BetMGM app. Chelsea, we appreciate it. Good luck this weekend with the bets. Let's make some money, and we'll do it again next week. Yeah, thanks for having me. One last trend to look at: the under in the Army Navy game is it. 16 straight times. Take what you make uh, of that. (laughs) Well, thank you for that little bonus nugget. I'm going to make my way over on BetMGM to college right now and check that out. Thank you, Chelsea. The under in that game. That's interesting. Okay. All right. There goes Chelsea Messenger. We always appreciate these visits. If you missed any of it, you can always go back to KFH Radio and check that out. Uh, That is being redone, we're told here this morning, too, KFH Radio, to make it really easy to find these segments Um, and specifically find what you're looking for there on the site. We'll take a quick break. Tommy and I will come back. Let's give something away when we come back. We'll do it next on Sports Daily. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster. A little lit for you on a Thursday. Hope everybody's having a great Thursday. 
Lots to go through. Tommy, we got Thursday Night Football. We hit on a little bit of it there with Chelsea. I don't know what to do with this game. You've got, you know, Aaron Donald is probably out. Like, what, what, are, what are we supposed to do with this one? And how odd, too, because think back to think back to before the season. If you looked at the schedule and said, all right, which games are we really excited about? This would have been one of the one of the primetime Thursday night games we would have been really excited about, right? Rams defending Super Bowl champs. The Raiders had Devontae Adams and they were a playoff team last year and they're trending in the right direction. And now you've probably got Baker Mayfield starting for the Rams. He's going to be active, it sounds like. Uh, we don't know what to make of the Raiders. I mean, I think that I like the Raiders here, but they've been such a disappointment. I like what a weird world the NFL season is every year this one this one that could have been so good is going to be so bad the Rams are absolutely decimated of course no Matthew Stafford no Cooper Cup no Allen Robinson no Aaron Donald Um, there is one way and one way only that I watch this game tonight I will watch it if Baker Mayfield starts because I just want to see well, we don't know. I mean, according to Adam Schefter, uh, the the Rams want John Wolford to go through pregame warmups to see if he's healthy enough to play. If he's not, Baker Mayfield will get the start. But it could be Wolford, uh, you know, starting this game. I don't know. But there's one way I'll watch it. If Mayfield starts the game, I'm going to watch it because I want to see what could potentially be a massive dumpster fire for Baker Mayfield to go to the Rams, have 48 hours to learn the playbook, and then be thrown Mayfield into hater? the starting role. What? Are you a Mayfield hater? No, I'm not a Mayfield hater. But see, I would I, rather see him come in, get forced to start, and all of a sudden be awesome. That's what I would like to see. Like I, I would love to. I, mean, I, I, I wish don't that think Baker that's Mayfield. Likely. No, no, it's not likely. That. It's yeah, no, 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 no. He just got beat by fresh off getting beat out by yeah. Sam Darnold. Don't get me wrong, but I, I do wish that Baker Mayfield was good because I do, I think he's a good personality for the game. Um, he's a good character in the league. It's obviously not worked out for him this year. And look, I thought him going to Carolina was a slam dunk. I thought it made a ton of sense. I thought everything about it was right. And man, it he could he couldn't have been worse, really. Um, but yeah, it's unlikely. But that's that's a scenario I'd like to see him come in on forty eight hours and just shred yeah. him without Cooper I, Cup. Come on. And you know, I, I say it's not likely, but I think that there's a scenario where that could happen because. The Raiders have absolutely underperformed this entire yeah. season, and and they're not a good football team. So I, I don't know. I mean, I guess anything is possible. What I think is interesting about Baker Mayfield is, you know, he didn't live up to, I think, expectations all the way in Cleveland, but he wasn't, he wasn't awful. Like I feel like there's this kind of revisionist history about Baker Mayfield being bad in Cleveland. He really. I don't feel like he was that bad nope, in Cleveland. He was not. He won a and playoff all game. of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, he goes to Carolina, flames out in spectacular fashion with the Panthers, you know, ends up getting hurt. And then PJ Walker comes in and plays and then Sam Darnold beats him out. And literally when he was placed on waivers by the Panthers earlier this week, one team put a claim in on Baker Mayfield and it was the Rams. There are 32 teams in the NFL, one team put a waiver claim in on Baker Mayfield. So 
and it uh, wasn't the could, team that needed a quarterback worse in exactly, San Francisco. Exactly. Yeah. This could be uh, Baker Mayfield's final shot uh, to make it in the NFL. Um, you know, he, he's got kind of an audition here with the Rams to play well over the next several games if he gets that opportunity to resurrect his career, potentially find another team after this season and keep his career going. But if it doesn't go well with the Rams, this could be the end of Baker Mayfield as we as we know it. I, I think he will still have a spot in the league. I don't think he's just going to totally go away. Um, he wasn't good enough in Carolina to even be the backup. I know. I, I, I hate it. I hate it for Bake because I like Bake. And I don't even know that I like Bake. I like the character of Bake. Um, I want it to work. I don't think it's going to. Don't get me wrong. It's really been since his shoulder injury, I think, uh, that, we've, that we haven't seen him at the same level. And that class now is just going to keep smacking people in the face of him being the leader of a pretty good quarterback class that, that he wasn't in there on. But that's Thursday Night Football. You'll hear it. Uh, right here, I believe, uh, Jad, correct me if I'm wrong. We'll, we'll have that tonight on, uh, right here on KFH. Yes, that's um, right. Yes, you'll have it. So the Baker Mayfield aspect of this does make it a very compelling watch. And I'm with you, Tommy, as disappointing as both of these two teams are, I still think Derek Carter, Devonte Adams is very watchable. Like we've had worse, as far as viewing and listening experiences, we've had worse. Uh, this will still be a game to tune in for because those two guys are explosive at times. But yeah, if it's Baker Mayfield, it kind of all of a sudden becomes must watch and must listen right here on KFH. Uh, uh, actually, Baker Mayfield plays. Just a quick, uh, just a quick correction on that. Uh, it isn't right here. It's over on KNSS. Okay, so it is over to KNSS. Tonight. Yeah, it's we'll over have on it KNSS on our family tonight. Uh, here on KFH, we got Wichita State women's basketball. Oh, that's right. Yep. And they're on a win streak. So we got great yep. programming tonight across the networks. We'll get more on that and tell you what's on tap on the networks uh, coming up in the next hour. Tim Fitzgerald joins us next. Let's really quickly uh, do a four-pack of Avatar, Disney's Avatar, The Way of the Water. This will be at Boulevard Theaters in Town West Square. And it will be one week from tonight, December 15th at 7 o'clock. A four-pack of tickets to the second caller during the break here. We'll get Tim Fitzgerald, our K-State insider, teed up for you as we start off hour number two.